happy Father's Day. <laughs> it's kind of quiet in here this morning. Oh. I was uh, contemplating as we conclude the series today that we've been doing on life and the family. And uh, I know that we had started it just before Mother's Day, and I knew that we wanted to conclude it on this day. And uh, the conversations that we have had with so many different people in our church throughout this past seven weeks has been amazing. As some of you have told us about the conversations that have started in your family and some things that God has done to bring some healing as we have gone through this. And uh, today I want to talk about the long shadow of a father, the shadow of a father. I thought that the, the video that we just saw is, is very appropriate uh, because how many of you men would say, whether you like it or not, there's some things about you that others would say, you remind me of your dad. Any of you like that? Some of you are going, I don't know if I want to raise my hand or not. If you know my dad, maybe, you know. Um, it's amazing how the shadow of a father begins to affect the lives of so many. And on this Father's Day, I'm, as I conclude this series, I, I want you to know that um, this isn't necessarily going to be a rah-rah message. But I do believe it's a message that needs to be heard. In fact, I wanna, want you to know that today we hear the cry of 20 million children who are living without a father. They're living in homes where the shadow of a father just simply doesn't exist. David Meese, who was a popular singer back when I was in college, wrote a song and the lyrics were about his life when he grew up in a fatherless home. And he said, sometimes at night I lie awake longing inside for my father's embrace. Sometimes at night I wander downstairs and I pray he'll return, but no one was there. Oh, how I cried, a child all alone, waiting for him to come home. My father's chair sat in an empty room, my father's chair covered with sheets of gloom. My father's chair through all the years and all the tears I cried in vain. No one was there in my father's chair. And today I want to share with you some thoughts that I wish could be heard throughout the world because you and I are impacted by our fathers and those of us who are fathers have a tremendous impact upon our children and it's much more than we would ever realize because you see a father can bless us, a father can encourage us, a father can diminish us, a father can curse us. It is all within the power of the words and activities of a father. And today I want to take my text from the last verses in the Old Testament. And I'm going to ask that you would, have, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Malachi in the Old Testament. Right where the Old Testament and the New Testament meet. And because this message is so serious and so necessary and so life transforming, before I read it, I want to pray with you today. So would you close your eyes and join me? Father, we ask in Jesus' name as we come before you this morning that this would be a transforming moment for many. For fathers that are listening because they're sitting here today or fathers that may be listening online, I ask that you would go, O oh God, where no man can go, that you could begin to address some of the things that are deep within the heart of each of us as men. For those who have had lives with their fathers that they look back on and smile and those who perhaps had fathers where there is still maybe even an impasse today, we pray that 
you would begin to break chains and set us free, that in the life of our families, Lord, that you would be glorified. We pray today as we talk about reclaiming the family that this will be a powerful step in the direction of where you would lead us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. In Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, the last two verses in the Old Testament, the Scripture said, See, I will send you the prophet before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Another translation puts it, unless I come and strike the land with utter destruction. When the Old Testament ends with this kind of warning, it is important for us as readers of the Word and those who know God or pursuing God to pay attention to those kind of things. And so when the Scripture says that the warning is if the hearts of the Father are not turned to their children and if the hearts of the children are not turned back to the Father, then there is a judgment that is coming upon the land. That is something that we need to pay attention to. In fact, as I begin to look at this, I, I begin to recognize that I believe in some ways our world today is facing the curse of the fatherless. We are seeing things take place around our country and around the world as a result of the absence of the father that God so desires men to be. And then you open up the New Testament and you get to Luke chapter 1, verse 17. And right at the beginning of the New Testament, it speaks of John the Baptist. And he's coming in the very spirit of the prophet Elijah. And it said that he will go on in the spirit of the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. So the Old Testament closes with this emphasis on reconciliation within the home, and then the New Testament opens with the emphasis of the same direction. And so God is saying to us that it's important to have reconciliation and restoration within our homes. And we look at this and say, why is the role of a father so important? Why is it so critical? Part of that is because it is going to be the man of the house, it's going to be the father that's going to stand before God, who's going to be accountable before God, how he led his home, how he treated his wife, and how he loved and honored his children. You see, the father is the compass of the home. He determines the direction that the home is going to go. And so are we just going to keep going year after year with the way things are and never try to better ourselves or never try to improve ourselves? Will we as men sit around and watch television and maybe spend all of our time on computers or just living paycheck to paycheck with no goals or initiative? Or will, as fathers, we stand up and say, Lord, I need you to direct my home. I need you to direct my heart so that I can lead us in ways that will honor you and provide hope for our children. Dads, I want you to know that it's daughters that will find their value in you. They find their affirmation in the heart of their father. It's the young boys that wrestle in their spirits between being aggressive as young men are and also the need for self-restraint. And as men, we model that balance there for them so that they can know where the boundaries are between their aggression is what is important and what is inappropriate. And they look to men to affirm them in their masculinity. I've said for many years, and I remember saying it on Father's Day past, a woman cannot make a man out of a boy. Only a man can make a man. From a boy. Only masculinity can bestow masculinity. Mike Singletary, who is the Hall of Fame football player that 
played for the Chicago Bears, now is involved in prison ministries. And he was telling in a story that he wrote in an article that he wrote that through the years he goes in and as he speaks to these men in prison, he says this, how many of you have had a good relationship with your father? Please raise your hand. He said, in all the years I've ever gone, not one single man in prison ever raised his hand that he had a good relationship with his father. Not one. And he says, we're living in the generation that is the curse of the fatherless. My outline today is a really simple one. First of all, we're going to learn how a father can turn his heart toward his children in order to win the heart of his child. And then we're going to talk about making peace with our fathers, whether they are dead or alive. That's the whole agenda of the day for this Father's Day. And I ask that God would bless us as we do so. The first point is the heart of the father toward the children. How does a father reach the heart of his child that is turned off? How does a father reach the heart of a child that has closed off from them? How does he get a child to open up their heart? I believe that there are four requirements, and there could be many more, but these are the ones that I want to focus on this morning for a few minutes. Fathers, do you know that when your children are little, you are like a God to them? I remember when my daughter was probably three years old and it was one of those precious moments when she's sitting on my lap and we're having a conversation we used to read a lot of books together and she looked up at me and took my chin in her hand and she pointed my face at hers and she goes dad you're my favorite god (laughs) that day didn't last very long but it was a precious moment at the time I tried to remind her of that when she became a teenager, and she doesn't recall ever saying that. But there are aspects to our children that we as their fathers, as we look at them, they're going to begin to design in their mind the love of a heavenly father through what they see in an earthly father. And so good father, bad father, indifferent, you represent God to your children when they are small, and they will hold you personally and individually accountable for the way that you father them. The first thing that I would ask fathers to do if you want to open the heart of a closed child is to initiate communication with your children. You need to connect. Dad, there's, there's ways and things that you can do and things that you can say that only you can do to open up the lines of communication with your children. For some of you, it may mean that you need to go to your children and say, you know what, I have to start off by just saying to you that I was wrong and I apologize and please forgive me for not having pursued your life to know what is going on in your life. I want to know and I'm interested in what's happening in your life. Would you please forgive me for my harshness or please forgive me for the indifference that I've had towards you. Because I want you to know that if you don't start that communication when they're young, Pastor Mark can tell you by the time they get to teenagers, they can close a door of communication. You will enter into silent years if you haven't had an opportunity to start those conversations with them about what's happening. And the way that you do that, Dad, is you've got to ask questions that require of them more than a yes or no answer. How was your day today? Good. That's not a really good conversation starter. There needs to be time where you can set things aside and begin to ask questions that force them to begin to reveal themselves because they desperately want their dad to know about them 
but you're going to have to do some digging. So find questions that you can ask. Even if you don't like the music that they're listening to, at least ask them about it so that they can start conversations with you. Try to find out what their interests are, what they like. Ask them questions about their friends. And one of the things that I dislike so much about the time that we live in is there are those of us that grew up when you had one, one house phone and it hung on the wall and everybody that called, we knew, my mom knew all my friends because she answered the phone. Now we all have our own phones and we don't know each other's friends and many people don't know who their kids are interacting with because they go right past you and can begin to speak with them directly. And so if we don't ask questions and initiate contact with our children, there will be whole aspects of their life that we will never know anything about. And in the end, Dad, through your communication, what you were telling your children is that they are prized. Jesus prizes you, and I value you. You establish communication. You talk. You speak into their life. They desperately want you to know what's going on in their life and that you are interested in them. And so the first thing as fathers we need to do is start talking and have conversations and initiate communication. Secondly, fathers are lawgivers. For years, I directed camps for our district, and one of my responsibilities as the camp director was if something happened, then I was the last line of discipline. And so they would always say to them, listen, if you don't clear this up, we have to take you to Brother Doug, and you don't want to go see him because I look so intimidating. I just I scared kids to death. Don't know why you react that way. <clears throat> but I remember many occasions where teenagers were brought before me and I would begin to start a conversation by explaining to them what they had done that was outside of the rules and beginning to express to them some of the discipline that would take place. And I can't tell you how many times I have had students look me right in the eye and say to me, you can't tell me what to do because you are not my father. You're not my father. You can't tell me what to do. And whenever I would hear that, I almost always would start to smile because whether they knew it or not, what they were acknowledging is that there is somebody in their life that has the authority to set the guidelines for their life, and it was always dad. You can't tell me what to do. Who do you think you are, my father? And deep within the heart of every child, there's a recognition that there is somebody that needs to be a lawgiver. And some fathers are really, really, really good at being lawgivers. But let me also add to that, Dad. You also need to be a grace giver. You need to be a grace giver. When I was a little boy, about five years old, my dad was the district youth director in Nebraska, and so he was the one that would direct the camps. And in one of the bathrooms that they had at the campground we were at, there was a long line of sinks and a long line of mirrors above that. And I don't know what was going on, but there was another preacher's kid and I that went into that bathroom and we discovered if you throw a rock and a mirror, it breaks. And so we ran out into the road and got a bunch of rocks and we broke every mirror in the bathroom. <clears throat> and my dad, when he found out, being the director, he called all of the campers and he put them in the tabernacle and he read them the riot act. Who, who would do such a thing? And, and who's going to stand up in here and take credit for this? You know, and, and, and somebody walked up to him a little bit later that saw me running out of the bathroom with rocks in my hands and said, 
you, you may want to just stop before you go too far here because we know who the guilty party is. <clears throat> and they pulled him aside and they said, it's your son. My dad walked back in and graciously, graciously released all the other students that were in the camp and, and took me back. And uh, I never remember the punishment. I don't remember what the punishment was, but I remember the grace that the anger of my father somehow subsided. And maybe it was because I was practicing my pitching in a rock and a mirror. It just seemed like a good thing to do. But I remember the grace in a moment when it could have been really harsh. So fathers, not only are you a lawgiver, but you are also a grace giver. And I encourage you to remember both of those roles when it comes to your kids. I read recently that according to Josh McDowell, teenagers were given a survey and they were asked, who can you go to when you have a crisis in your life? Dad was number 48 on the list. 48. And the reasons were given is that I can't talk to my dad. He'll never listen to me. My dad never listens to me. Or I wish I could spend time with him, but it doesn't seem that he cares. And so, yes, there is law that comes from Father, but also grace. And I want you to know something, Dad. Your children will never be kept from sinning, and they'll never be kept from crimes because of your rules, but it might be by your grace that you can win their hearts. And so I ask that be in relationship with your children. It will be what transformed them. They need that. Fathers, also, you are protectors. The Bible says regarding God, Lord, you are my refuge and you are my fortress. And any of us that have known the Lord for any length of time know that there are seasons in our life when we go running to the Lord because we desperately need his protection. And I want you to know, fathers, that we are the ones that reinforce this in the lives of our kids. Let them express their opinion, even if it's different than yours, but let them know that there is a protection that is, can be found in you. You need to be a refuge. You need to make your house a fortress so that you can protect your kids from the enemies of the family. There are so many out there of drugs and immorality and pornography and crime and predators. Talk to them and protect them. Pray over them and pray around them and let your house be a place where the fortress of God's nature can be at work. And you can reinforce all of the values of your home and the conversations that you have daily with your kids. Protect them from the things that they need in the media. Protect them as you install within them a worldview that lets them know that God is always with them. Fathers, you're also mentors. In humility and patience, in a servant's hearted love, mentor your children. You may not know much about the Bible, and you don't have to know a lot about the Bible because that's not really what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about the fact that, as the video that we saw today shows, whether we like it or not, we are going to, to be what we see modeled before us. That modeling is the greatest form of mentoring that there is. And... As a parent, I look at my kids and I'm saying, oh, Jesus, please give my kids all of the good qualities of their mother and none of the bad qualities of their father. And it never works out that way. And so then we say, okay, Lord, help me to model even in my weaknesses the grace of God 
so that when my kids grow up and if they're going to be like me, that at least they will know how to ask God for forgiveness and seek the Lord for his work within my life. I have on many occasions stated some of the greatest memories that I have of my mom and dad were of hearing them call out the name of the Lord, call out my name before the Lord. Those are things that stay with a child's heart when they know that you love them so very, very much that you will pray for them. And so model well, dads. Model well a way to live. Fathers, today, turn your heart toward your needy children, your crying children. It may come at a great personal cost to you, but please know that there is a blessing that comes upon nations whose fathers will turn their hearts back toward their children. And if they don't do it, then there's a curse that comes upon those nations. The scripture clearly calls it out as that. But there's a second part to that verse. And on this Father's Day, this applies perhaps to every one of us when it says that the heart of the children are to be turned to their fathers. Children, you need to be reconciled to your father. All of us have imperfect fathers. I was looking on Facebook this morning early and I began to see the messages that some of your children were putting toward you and honoring you as fathers. And and I get teary-eyed looking at that because I come from a a home where I will be able to honor my dad today as I get to call him a little bit later for the way that he has modeled a relationship with Christ before me. I don't know if I've had a conversation on the phone when my dad hasn't told me at the end of it that he loves me and that I'm his number one son. Now, I'm the only boy in the family, but I still know that he means he loves me way more than my sisters, and he just, that's the only way that he can say that without offending them. I, it's a man talk thing. I... I get that. And I'm so thankful that so many of you have grown up in homes where this is a pattern for you, where your children can honor you because of the great things that they've seen. But there are others of you that, as you relate to Father's Day and the homes that you grew up in, it is a different emotion for you. Before I give you a list of the kinds of fathers with whom you need to make peace, I want to say thank you for those of you who have been great fathers. Erwin Lutzer says of his father, when my dad was 100 years old, I was going to go visit him in Canada, and my wife, he said, gave me a suggestion. She said, you know, your dad being 100, it's not going to be long before he's not here anymore. And she said, in the Old Testament, we read time and time again of what it was that a father would pray a blessing over his children. She said, would you ask your dad to pray a blessing over you? And so he says, as I visited my dad that evening, my father took his place in his chair where he always had and began to open his Bible to read it. And I said, I walked over to dad and I knelt down in front of his chair and I told him, dad, would you pray a blessing over me? He says, I want you to know that my dad took my head in both of his hands and he lifted up a prayer that would make heaven shake. He said, this man who hadn't been overly expressive throughout my whole life did something in prayer that took a hold of me. And he said, by the time he was done, I was in tears. And he was in tears. And my wife was in tears. And we embraced. 
And he said, so I know today that when that call comes and my dad has gone home to be with Jesus, I will have no regrets because I will have made peace with him and I will have had the opportunity of having him pray a blessing over me and I will indeed have been reconciled with my dad and everything. Father, it might just be that you need to take your children and put their faces in your hands and pray a blessing over them. It might very well be that you will be able to express in prayer some things that you may have had a difficult time expressing to them in just words. And I recognize that some of you come from homes where that is not your testimony. Your dad was not like that. Because there's also scriptures that says that the sins of the father may be visited on the third and fourth generation. And some of you are in that situation where you're going, we are trying to break the, sick, the, the sinful strongholds that have been in my family for generations. And today when we look at this, we recognize we need the hand of God to break those things. And perhaps today on Father's Day, some of you are needing to come to grips that you grew up in a home where the father was not necessarily a biblical man. Some of you need to be reconciled today, and some of you need to be reconciled to a workaholic father. You don't understand why he was a workaholic, and the answer is probably because he received very little affirmation from his father, so he felt he needed to prove himself to him all the time, and in order to prove himself to his father and others, he would simply say, I'm going to work so that I have accomplishments, and maybe somehow through that, my dad will be proud of me. So if you have a workaholic father, it may be that there were issues in his own life that he didn't know how to deal with except to pour himself into his work, and he didn't even realize that it's caused emotional issues for you, that it's touched you in your life, and so today you may be resentful and angry because your father was not there because of his work schedule. And today I want you to know today's a good day to be resolved and to find reconciliation with a workaholic father. Maybe today some of you are coming from a place where you need to be reconciled to a silent father. Maybe your dad has done a tremendous amount of damage, not only to your spirit, but to your soul. Because he's been emotionless and he's been passive. He seems to be the one that just doesn't care what's going on in the lives of everybody in his home. Maybe there were times when things happened in your life during school years that you needed a dad to step up and be there to be a protector to you and he just didn't seem to care and he never intervened he wouldn't run interference and he was never involved and all he did was sit there and live his life completely unemotionally tied to you and you never figured out what was going on in his heart I read a letter that was written between two brothers who had a father like this and this is what one brother wrote to the other about his passive father. He goes, Dear Jim, as for your concerns about dad, that's a big issue, and I'm not sure I know where to start. I have spent my entire life setting myself up to receive some little acknowledgement or blessing from dad, only to be disappointed each time. Somewhere along the way, I stopped trying. I will always miss him, though. But there's a hollow place inside of me where love and acceptance from him should have been. That's something that I now cannot change. But that is what it's like to live a life with a passive, emotionless, and uninvolved father. And some of you today have had a silent father that you need to be able to reconcile with and make peace with. 
Some of you need to be reconciled to a tyrannical father, overly controlling in everything that he did. The way that you were raised was with a man who was always angry and always critical and was incapable of giving a compliment. And if somehow a compliment was eked out, it was always associated with a warning or something negative, something that you didn't quite do. It didn't matter how far you kicked the ball, he always moved the goal post. It didn't matter if you got an A, he was concerned with why wasn't it an A+. The tyrannical father is never, ever satisfied, and some of you are living under the pain of having been raised in a house with a father that never, ever looked at you and said, that was a great job. You never reached that stage. And some of you have replicated that. You run your homes in certain ways that there are rules that must be abided by. And if you're going to live in my home, you're going to obey these rules. Without even knowing it, you have turned into the shadow of a father that you felt so helpless around. And today, some of you need to find peace and be reconciled to a father that was overly controlling. And today, as I mentioned earlier, there are over 20 million children who are living in a household with an absent father some of you grew up in a household with an absent father he may be absent because of immorality he may be absent because he ran off he may be absent because he's just shirking his responsibilities as a result of that I have had conversations with many many women who grow up with a huge level of distrust in men they live with tremendous insecurities because the things that their father should have been spoken into their lives when they were in their formative years he wasn't there to do we face a generation of boys who are facing gender insecurity because they've never had modeled before them what authentic godlike masculinity looks like they struggle with themselves and they wonder who they really are while they're growing up without a dad and these are the kind of fathers that some of you need to be reconciled with or you know that you will perpetuate those things there was a movie that came out recently and I know as a church there were a number of us that went and saw it together it was the movie that was called I Can Only Imagine tremendous story of Bart Millard movie outlined his life and what it was like to live in the home of an abusive alcoholic father he grew up with the scars and the wounds in his own life of what it was like to have never had anything be good enough and his dreams were always shut down and whenever he would make anything it would end up in the garbage or in the burn pile and he grew up with all of these hurts and harms in his life and then as you follow the movie through so he began to find some things that he was good at and other people began to encourage him. Music became a way for him to express himself. Somehow through all of that, his father's life came in contact with the faith in Jesus Christ and it transformed him. And as the, the son came back to be reunited with the father, he, he finds a father who doesn't really know how to say, I'm sorry for everything that had taken place in the past, but his, he visually had changed. And he knew in a terminally ill situation that he needed to make things right and then there was the struggle of the son how do I come to grips with everything that's taken place in my life 
how can I just let it all go, all the hurt and the harm that you have done? Through a series of events, he came to recognize and be reconciled to a father who hadn't been the type of father that he needed as a boy. Because of the work of God, he sat down, and the only way he could begin to explain himself was in lyrics. I can only imagine. Because he began to recognize that Jesus did something in his father that he could never motivate by his own actions. That Jesus brought a healing and took away all of his father's sins and made him a brand new creature. And he began to see things through new eyes. He began to outline in words that many of us have listened to. And As I watched that movie, I recognized, as people asked me, what did you think? And I said, you know what, that's not my story, but I know it is the story of many who recognize only God can bring reconciliation between a father and children, and children of father. But what he does, he does well. God does well. So today, gentlemen, if you can begin to play some music, if you find yourself in a situation where some of you need to be reconciled to the father, let me just give you quickly these things. First of all, face the pain and tell the truth. So you know what? This is the home I came from. I understand that. I can't, can't sugarcoat it. That, that's my background. And Father, as I stand before you as a heavenly Father, here's the, the reality of my life. Secondly, after you have faced the pain and told the truth, then grieve the loss. Don't bury that pain. God gave us tear ducts for purpose. Sometimes you just need to get alone somewhere and cry it out. And let all that pain go. And just simply say, Lord, there's something that is cathartic and cleansing about being able to stand here and face it with you. And Lord, I'm going to let this all go and I'm going to grieve the loss of my childhood. It's different than what you wanted, but Lord, it's my childhood and I am who I am today as a result of some of those things. But I don't always have to be this way. So Lord, I'm simply going to make things right and I'm going to grieve the loss. Thirdly, you have to lay down the bitterness You have to let it go. That's what the cross is for. You simply carry it to the cross and say, Lord, the blood that you shed on the cross is strong enough to cover my past and my wounds. And so in order to make things right, I'm going to leave it with you. And I'm never going to pick it up again. Finally, and most importantly, let the Heavenly Father be the Father to you that you may never have had. He's a father to the fatherless. He's loving and he's perfect. He'll be everything to you that you may never have had. And if your father is past and you're carrying these wounds, then write him a letter. Write it all out. Put it down in writing and read it to him. And then throw it away say today I will be reconciled whether I have the opportunity physically with my father or not today I will be reconciled but I will no longer be a captive to my past and I will walk in the shadow of a new father the heavenly father I told you at the beginning of this message that this wasn't going to be a rah-rah in fact Pastor Mark when he 
talked to me before the service. He goes, boy, how are you going to wrap this one up? And I said, you better be in prayer. I tried all week to find something else. But this is the word of the Lord today. So I'm going to ask all of you to stand with me, please. I'm going to ask every man and every boy that's here, I'm going to ask you to come and stand in the front because I'm going to pray for you. so many voices in our world today that tells us what a real man should be like. So few of them sound anything like the voice of the Heavenly Father. And yet there seems very clearly to be such an importance in the heart of God that as men and as fathers and grandfathers and future fathers that we would be able to to walk in a way that the shadow that we leave looks something like Jesus. And it's so unnatural for us. Some of you men have walked through your lives carrying the wounds of a father that didn't provide everything that you needed and maybe he did the best he could do and maybe he didn't know the Lord, but I want you to know you're here today. You're here today and you can change everything. You can change everything. So ladies, I'm going to ask that you would extend your hands out if you would. Because fathers, we stand before you today as men. We recognize that you have created us and you have given us certain responsibilities that frankly, it scares us to death. The idea that we as fathers and as husbands and as men will have to stand before you and give an account of how we led our families frightens many of us because there's not one of us that are perfect. But so, Lord, we come before you today and we ask that you, would you be graceful with us? For those who are here today that are walking around with the pain of having a father that was never able to express to them how much he loved them or how proud he was of them, I pray today that there would be some sense of reconciliation within their life today, that they would be able to write down everything that they wanted to say and that they would just be able to give it to you and crumple it up and walk away free. Father, for those of us whose fathers are still alive, I ask that we would be able to have conversations with them, that if they know you, we might be able to ask them, "Would would you pray a blessing over my life? so that I can have a memory of my father doing something that's spiritual that will last with me and give me a peace and that I can take that and model that with my own children, my sons and daughters and my grandchildren. Father, I ask that you, in the warning that you gave at the very end of the Old Testament and the warning that you gave at the very beginning of the New Testament, you said if if we are going to perpetuate a fatherless generation, that there would be a curse that would be upon our land. And Lord, we are seeing the destruction of the family everywhere we look. Would you at Grace Assembly let us reestablish the bloodline of the Heavenly Father at work through us so that we can do the best that we can do to see our families reestablished in your love and your grace. 
And as men, Lord God, would you pour into us authentic biblical masculinity that loves and protects and sets boundaries and sets rules and gives grace and communicates and initiates all of the things that the Heavenly Father does for us so that we can live in your shadow and then create a shadow for our children to follow, oh God. And so, Lord, for all of these things, we need your help. And so I ask that you would just let there be a canopy of your grace cover this altar this morning and that you would begin to rain into us through your spirit all of the qualities that are necessary for us to be able to walk in holiness and godliness and lead in ways that will bring glory to you and provide for our children and our grandchildren a heritage of godliness. And for others, I ask that today would be the day that the curse is broken. Break the curse, set them free, and let them walk today in a brand new walk and be restored to you. And so, Father, this is our prayer for this Father's Day, that we could be like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.